0: I just got to come back to reality, come back to the real world and start playing baseball the way I've supposed to skate. this game. This is the Giants Hubris Podcast. Do
1: you know who I am? It doesn't matter who we are. What matters is our brand. Welcome to the inaugural edition of Giants Hubris. I'm excited to in- introduce myself. My name is Craig Kamara. we got a great show lined up for you tonight. We're going to finally fill that void for a Giants podcast here in the Bay Area. So with that being said, the man that will join me as we break down the 2013 Giants season, Brian Sabian lover slash hater, Grant Tolbert. Grant, how you doing tonight?
0: Aloha, which means hello and goodbye. I want to say goodbye to the Giants' five-game losing streak and hello to Pablo Sandoval's first injury of the year.
1: That's right, Grant. First injury of the year, Giants on a downslide, 14-12 on the year. Is it time to just give up, jump ship? It's over. Season's over. Am I right? It was. uh, It was getting to that point. um, But then
0: within the last two games – our Obi-Wan Kenobi, our only hope, Gene Maki, has appeared. The uh, guy that's been pitching in the minor league since 2002, heralding from El Tigre, Venezuela. Uh, I think this is, what, our eighth Venezuelan? Venezuelan,
1: Venezuelan. Adios Pelota, right?
0: Yeah, he's, uh, what, he pitched, got the win last night.
1: He threw three innings on Saturday. They asked him how long it's been since he's thrown that many innings. He said, I can't even remember. Obviously in Spanish, so it was some other term. But
0: Yeah, he's not doing many interviews. He doesn't speak the native tongue of American that well. But uh, he does have that very
1: robust midsection that these Venezuelans seem to have. So 136 games left. Do the Giants have a chance to win the NL West?
0: You know, there's still some time left in the season, Craig. <laughs> The season starts this weekend when we play the Dodgers.
1: Okay, well, the reason I wanted to bring that up is because I wanted to establish the fact that on this podcast, you will not hear the daily ups and downs of your normal Giants fans. If someone has a bad start, we're not going to instantly ostracize him down to the minor leagues. It's going to be a fair podcast. We're going to talk to Giants. We're going to have a good time. And uh, none of this, you know, day-to-day, oh, the world's going to end, oh, we're going to win the World Series world's going to end, you know, up and down, peaks and valleys.
0: Speak for yourself there, Craig. I uh have about 3 guys on my list I want to send down to AAA.
1: <laughs> that makes sense, man. I'm a little more even killed when it comes to the Giants than you. But anyways, I wanted to start out tonight talking with uh, a little bit about Matt Kane. So, I thought it, I found it interesting that he started 6 games this year. And the Giants have not won one game he started the entire year up until last night. Finally, they're one in five now on Matt Kane starts, but overall in the year, the guy has a 6.49 ERA. We saw Linscomb have a couple great years and tail off. Now, I'm not going to be the guy that says Matt Kane is on that track, but are you going to be the guy, Grant?
0: You know, he's certainly got a case of the Linscomb hiccups where he just gets rocked for one inning every start. Do you think uh, you it's know, a
1: Linsk hiccups though? Because Linsk seems more like he can't find the plate and throw strikes. Kane seems like he's throwing fat strikes.
0: K- yeah, Kane can't miss the plate. His stuff is just man, it's like he's throwing batting practice. Um, I don't know. I know that I didn't even know the game was on yesterday, and I had two back-to-back updates as soon as it started. Home run, diamondbacks. Home run, diamondbacks. And he's getting pelted all across the field. Uh, its I mean, at what point do you have to stop saying, oh, it's early in the season and Kane's going to be fine. We know he's going to be fine.
1: You know, I don't know that point, but I'm not even going to get to that point with Matt Kane because he is going to be fine. This is ridiculous. Now, Matt, what makes you say he's going to be
0: fine? You're like, Luke club's going to be fine. Why? What makes you say Kane's – what are you seeing in Kane that makes you think he's going to be fine?
1: Because he's missing over the plate. So – of course, you know it's a lot. You know, you leave a ball over the heart of the plate, it gets hit 415 feet. But with Lincecum, he's nowhere near the plate. With Matt Kane, it's a small adjustment. He's not missing the entire zone. He's just too far in the zone. So if he moves back to the black of the plate, he's going to be fine. Those those balls that are gappers now are just going to turn into routine ground balls in the infield or fly balls, knowing Matt Kane. So that's the difference between him and Lincecum. I there's no panic mode involved with the Matt Cain thing. I think you're fooling yourself if you say you're not concerned.
0: I, I would be concerned if, if my pitcher, at what what has he made? How many starts? Let's see here. He's
1: made six starts this year.
0: Six starts, and he's ugh,
1: six and a half ERA. Six and a half ERA. The team is one and five in his starts, and he's given up nine home runs already. Nine home runs, and
0: they're hitting 254 against him. That's not good. You, you pick, take that with song. uh, man, I don't know.
1: Well, you want to look at the bigger picture here, Grant. There's two danger stats that I I see with the Giants right now. And like I already said, I know it's only 26 games in. But if I were to go to those vital stats where I, I think maybe there's a problem, it would be these two. Four out of the five starting pitchers, the Giants have a whip over 1.30. The only guy under is uh, Madison Bumgarner at zero point eight nine, which is phenomenal.
0: Which is phenomenal. He's he's on the bump tonight. Uh, I wanna you said Machi he'd never pitched three innings in a game before. I'm I'm wondering how long it takes for us to stretch his stretch his arm out so he can become a starter.
1: Yeah, his quote was like they asked him how long he could go Saturday night. He said I was feeling so good. Three innings, four innings, seven innings, nine innings. It didn't matter that night. I felt great.
0: Yeah, you know when him and Pablo and Hector Sanchez. When they go out to eat, uh, you don't want to be stuck with that bar- with that bill. Looks like they like to knock knock back the uh, adult beverages, too.
1: Yeah, so what about this whip, though? Do you see that as being a problem over the long run for the Giants? The only redeeming stat I see out of that one is, you know, baseball is the law of averages. They should come down and pitch better. And with the way the bats have been working, not great, but at least enough runs to compete each game. The Giants are 14-12 and 12 right now. All it is is a bright side from here. There's no reason to even be down. Do you know the Giants have never won 14 games in April? So this team's actually exceeding expectations as far as the Giants franchise.
0: The important thing to take away from April, even though uh, we were 13-7 and seven and ended on that losing streak, uh, now we won one, uh, we're still ahead of the Dodgers even though we're in third place.
1: Dodgers 12-13 and 13, minus 24-run differential. That's another big stat I pay attention to in baseball. It just means that they're not competing night in and night out. So Who saw this coming? Uh, everybody. Everybody. Listen to our main pod, Sporting Hubris, and you would hear all about this because the Dodgers are a sinking ship. You don't sign that many old has-beens and expect to win a World Series unless you're a crazy person. Note to 2011 Brian
0: Sabian, Aubrey Huff, Craig, Pat Burrell. Aubrey <laughs> Huff. Andres
1: Torres, are you with me? I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, Another stat I wanted to bring up with the Giants that I see is an important stat throughout the year, especially with the lineup they have. In one-run games, what would you guess the Giants' record is this year, Grant? Uh, Phenomenal. Nope. Five and five. In two-run games, they're four and three. Overall, in one and two-run games, they're nine and eight. Of course – it's 16- sixteen. <laughs>
0: so re- the record overall is around five hundred. So I'm guessing in three run games they're five hundred, four run games are five hundred.
1: These close games are an important stat because with the pitching staff like the Giants have, and the inept offense they show sometimes through the batting order, you have to win extra inning games, you have to win one, one run games, and you have to win two run games. Those are the close games. You have to pull these out as a Giants. Uh, franchise because they're built to win those close games nine and eight nine and eight this part of the year is a little scary because if they go five hundred and one run and two run games they're going to be five hundred on the year 81 wins is not going to get you into the playoffs
0: what's scary is that even their wins they're coming from behind down four nothing five nothing which is exciting but that's you're not going to keep that up forever uh signs right now uh,
1: in a holding pattern, it could go either way this season. Another sign that indicates whether the Giants are going up and down is their farm system. So I thought we'd maybe highlight one player from the minor league system this week, talk about his progress coming to the major leagues, and uh, how he's doing in the minor leagues. So first up this week, we've got Andrew Susack, Oregon State University catcher, was drafted in the second round of the 2011 amateur draft the so second rounder, like I said, little signs. There was a little debate you know, whether he was signable at the time. That's why he fell to the second round. Overall, he seems like a great prospect. He's had a couple decent years through uh, A-ball and A now. So what do you think about Andrew Susak and the Giants? I think
0: he's going to be a solid pro. The most exciting thing about him is he has
1: legit power. Um, now, is this Brandon Belt legit power or is this legit power?
0: Uh, well, catcher-wise, you're looking at 15-20 home runs a season. Uh, he did fall to the second round because of a, a broken wrist. He was on those great Oregon State teams, national titles. Uh, the thing th- th- here's why he's interesting is I think he's one of the few prospects in the Giants system that you can tell is going to be an everyday pro. And I'm wondering if they're looking at him, especially with the trade of Tommy Joseph last year, if they're looking at him to be their long-term catcher. With an eye towards moving Buster Posey to first base.
1: Now how plausible do you think that is? Because I, I mean I read some stuff about Susac and it he still seems like a prospect, a green prospect at this point, not a surefire, you know, blue chipper if you want to go college basketball on us.
0: Well he's never gonna be a blue chipper, but he'll be ready he'll be ready for the majors next year. Um, He's out, out with the Richmond Flying Squirrels, which, by the way, have the best mascot. If you if you can, get a video of the guy dressed in a squirrel suit running around during the game.
1: Well, why would he be running around if he was a flying squirrel, Grant?
0: He runs around, and he, he they bring people down from the crowd, and he gives them a head start, and then he races them. Sounds yeah. like false advertisement to me. This guy can fly. False advertisement. Um. Uh, I just I think this is going to be a, something to keep an eye on moving forward going into next season. If Buster Posey moves to first base, is he really he, I think he loses a lot of his value. He's not a great hitting for his baseman, he's a great hitting uh, catcher.
1: That's a good point, I mean, if from your first baseman, you want what 40 home runs, 120 RBIs, maybe a 290 average. Buster's in what more of the 20-25 range still get you 100 RBIs but if he does go to first base and Susac comes in what do you think that means for the Giants staff because it seems like sans Tim Lincecum everyone else really likes the way Buster calls a game and feels comfortable with him behind the plate
0: you know i think that is the biggest overhyped thing in the world is a catcher having to call pitches like now why is that cuz everyone does it and no one everyone every catcher does it in the pros and you never hear about it. I don't hear that Stras- that uh Strasburg threw new no hitter no hitter because of the catcher calling pitches.
1: Oh, you hear that every once in a while, but you yeah. don't think that catcher and a pitcher build a rapport throughout a year and you don't think they feel more comfortable with someone behind the plate that they're familiar mm-hmm. with I, I I do I don't know where you're
0: going with that the one gonna know what pitch. The more familiar they are, the catcher's going to know what pitch the pitcher wants to throw. I mean, at the end of the day, that's exactly it's, it's my point. the offensive coordinator calling in the play to the quarterback. The pitcher's going to throw the pitch he wants to pitch. He can shake him off if he wants to. Yeah, he can shake him off a hundred times.
1: But speaking of football, don't you hear this offensive coordinator got in a good rhythm, kept this team on pace. They're hitting on all cylinders. That's the same thing with a pitcher-catcher dynamic. The catcher keeps him rolling along, keeps him going at a great pace, calling the right pitches, keeping him comfortable throughout the nine innings. So that's okay. where you thats where you get that rapport that is, is strong, that's, and that's why you want
0: that. Why that's, here's why that's bullshit, is because we just talked about Matt Cain and his struggles and the Giants pitching staff struggles. At any point, did you ever mention maybe it's Buster Posey and the pitches he's calling? No, if it's not the catcher's him? fault, if it's not the catcher's fault when the pitcher's throwing bad, then it's not he's not he's not the the reason why the pitcher's throwing good.
1: Well, I would equate it to this: if you have a dance partner and you're on Dancing with the Stars, a show you probably watch, Grant, it's a lot harder if you two don't work together in your dance routine. But if you're both hitting the right chords and working together, it's obvious. The end product is obvious. There's a higher quality to the end product. No. The pitcher is Maverick,
0: okay? The catcher is Goose. Goose ain't that important. It's all about Maverick.
1: (laughs) All right. Fair enough, Grant. I'll give you that one. So last up, let's go into the history of the Giants, our favorite team. After Brian Sabian and Bruce Bochy combined with the other members of the front office of the Giants to win the last two of the three World Series, i become a big Brian Sabian, not fan, but you know what? Hey, I'm not going to knock the guy. Give me two World Series. Give the Giants fans two World Series. There's nothing to complain about. But you, on the other hand, still find some flaws in his job. So we're going to talk a little bit about some some bad moves Brian Sabian has made in the past. So, Grant, what is the uh, bad move that you want to shit on Sabian for tonight?
0: Yes, well, like uh, Stannis Baratheon says to the Onion Knight, a bad new, a bad move does not wipe out a good move any more than a good move wipes out the bad. So I want to travel back in time, November 2003. Now Tell me if you remember this one, Craig, where we went out and got the premier upcoming catcher in the league, Mr. A.J. Pruszynski.
1: woo A.J. Pruszynski, one-year contract if I'm right.
0: He was arbitration eligible when we traded for him. The Twins weren't going to keep him anyways, and we gave up a little trio. Boof Bonzer, who went and had a few productive seasons. Francisco Liriano, who at one point was the most electric pitcher in the game. For four months. For four months, but you have to have a feeling with the Giants' uh, track record for keeping pitchers healthy, it could have ended up different.
1: Well, hey, Grant, all I have to say to that is at least they didn't give him a great closer.
0: Okay. Joe Nathan, four-time All-Star. Ah, oh, shit. Yes, he gone on to have a great career for uh, not just the Twins, blew out his elbow, I believe, 12 times, but has, came back with the Rangers, uh, still pitching in the league, being very successful. That was a horrible trade that made no sense at the time and makes less sense right
1: now. You know, myself and A.J. actually have a one thing in common. We've both been called cancers of a baseball team. thought that was hilarious when they called uh, – who who was the pitcher that – put a bounty on Pruszynski's head the next year and said that you know he'd give him so much money if they hit A.J. Pruszynski during spring training. Do you remember they that?
0: They get rid of him because every single person in the clubhouse hated him that much.
1: I know, that's so he's a cancer.
0: How can you... But everybody. And it's not like he was showing up later. I mean, he they just genuinely hated the guy. Have we ever heard any more stories that came out about that? I mean, that wasn't the best clubhouse in the world. You got Barry Bonds, oh. Jeff Kent... Uh, it couldn't, it couldn't have been fun to go to work. And
1: they all hated Felipe Alou at that time too. Felipe Alou, yeah. That. Well, because you have a manager, you can't fucking understand. <laughs> yeah, and he's like eighty. Yeah. That guy, like, I don't even know if he watched the games every day or he fell asleep. Well, got, I know they caught him a couple of times falling asleep in the dugout.
0: Yeah, he's got to leave the game four times, four times a night to take a leak. Well, he has a claustrophobic
1: bad grant. Does he really? Doesn't have to leave when you have it. Man, does he wear the pants? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe Moise can answer that question for you. Moise Alou. What's Moise Alou doing right now? Where are you now, Moise Alou? Well, what about Maddie Malou? Maddie Alou,
0: the, the uh, third of the Alou brothers.
1: Yeah, that was what, Felipe's brother, right?
0: Yeah, Felipe's brother.
1: Yeah, my dad always tells me the story that they played – Three brothers played in the same outfield for one game. That was the first time it ever happened and probably the only time it'll ever happen because I don't think people even have three kids anymore. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. You're right. So nobody cares, but we got Giants' hubris kicked off tonight, Grant. Anything left for this show?
0: I got nothing,
1: Craig. Nothing left. I mean, we're going to be out the Dodger game on Saturday night promoting the podcast. For the folks that listened to it before, come and check us out at the stadium. For all the people tuning in after we promote it, thank you for listening in. We really appreciate it. Check out our website, GiantsHubris.com. If you like what you hear, check out our main podcast, Sporting Hubris. It's on iTunes and Stitcher. And you can find this also on iTunes and Stitcher. So thank you for joining us. hell out of my office. Good night. Lord Radio and Hellbop on the Bay Bridge faded Trying to find Smiley's house, thank God we
0: made it Yo, Blunt's brought them beats Keeping low through the streets And niggas get from his past cause of these dope ass sounds We run aground like sips over these beats I flips the bases Hitting so hard that you'll see Skits. Well check it out, make sure it doesn't happen again I got my grip on it, to so turn it up to volume 10 Volume 10, like that brother from L.A., Lord Radio and Hellbox Me streaking through the bay, we all city like the mayor You see my name, I'm more fresh shit than Creed Taylor The Jeep for inter-